0: Thank you very much. With the other panelists, I join in saying that it's wonderful to be here. It's wonderful to be in this place, but in this place, I would say, we are challenged by the very architecture, as well as the history and the meaning of this place, to think a bit of higher purposes. And I fear that something that has happened to politics as we understand it today is that we no longer believe it can be about higher purposes. We believe it is inevitably about some choices and decisions among lesser purposes. Who becomes wealthier because the tax structure changes? Which region of the country prospers? Which party wins? We tend to lose sight of the very possibility that our lives together, this common life, this common good we're talking about, is constituted and shaped in part by having and sharing some higher purposes, having a sense that we can be more than merely creatures of self-interests. Politics, I think, should be education as well as decision. And I fear our current campaigns are not meeting a high exam standard. Do we learn from these campaigns not only what this or that politician thinks, or at least wants us to believe that he will do in our interests, do we learn from these campaigns something about ourselves, ourselves together? Does it strengthen and enrich our capacity to think of our larger purposes. Politics, I think, should be about a public life in which we grow individually and collectively in awareness and understanding. It is about discerning higher possibilities, not only choosing among baser ones. And we have plenty of big issues that demand this deeper sort of politics, climate change, inequality, financial interdependence, and the deep question of what it means to be in all of this together as a country and as a highly interdependent world. Campaigns often divide, but a crucial need is for shared purpose and solidarity. Politics can be about forging the polity back to that issue of the root meaning that we think about. We don't just find ourselves in a polity in the United Kingdom. We have before us as an object of politics what it means to be in the United Kingdom, whether the United Kingdom will remain united or in fact will be pulled apart by different nationalisms. What institutions would make it worth valuing this united kingdom, which I fear is threatened, but which we should value? Politics can shape, can forge, can make the polity. We don't just find the polity already there. When politics works well, we choose not just policies, but the very institutions with which we live and which shape our common life. This calls for us to be able to discuss basic values, and our capacities for this are not as developed as they might be. A second theme. When we speak of civil society, and indeed I agree very much that this has to be on the agenda, we shouldn't think of it as just outside of government and the market. There's a common everyday sense that says, well, there's the market, there's government, and there's this other province of civil society. I think that we are rightly led to think about connections, as my predecessor did. we right to think about society itself and not just the way it's carved up. One of the problems with speaking of civil society in this sector-specific way is that it rather accepts that government and markets don't have the kinds of shared responsibilities that civil society has. We shouldn't accept the notion that the market is a perfectly self-regulating system. We should recognize that that is a device by which we analyze it, that it's a partial truth, but that markets are interwoven in all aspects of our lives. The same for government. It's not just those people over in Westminster It is something through politics which is part of all of our lives in this. We should see society itself as civil insofar as it connects us in a self-regulating, in a civic way to each other and enables us to live lives we want. We cannot, after all, thrive without it. The common good, then, is a good that joins us in a common life. It is not just a different distribution of private goods. There are many private goods, and they should be distributed fairly. I have no problem with that notion. But it would limit us enormously if we lacked a sense of a common good that united us, that was ours only because it was shared. Think of the planet climate change, extreme weather events, the inhabitation of the earth is shared, but think closer to home of community and the existence of community or the absence of it, because I think we often are worried that the word no longer signals what it once did in our lives, but is just another name for saying the place we happen to live. If we approach this as merely the sum of our private and separate individual interests and ask only about distribution, we miss the creation of real life together. And for this, we need public engagement. We need not just the institutions of government or market, nor even charitable institutions in civil society and others, but public engagement. We need to talk to each other. We need to be able to inform each other. We need to know each other to forge common purposes. We even need universities to offer public knowledge, not only to contain knowledge within their boundaries. Business indeed remains basic in this business. And I would want to add one thing to the discussion of business. It's not just big business. When we think of business and the role of business, we shouldn't think just of the city of London and just of enormous corporations. We should think of small businesses and whether they thrive. of local tea shops, of the dry cleaners, of all manner of small businesses that are part of the fabric of society and are hard to separate from what we call civil society or the public sphere because if we want to get together and talk in public, we go to that tea shop. And that's where we meet. We go to a restaurant. Businesses are part of our lives. They are not just that distant big business. And we should recognize entrepreneurs, they're not a vanished thing of the past, they're part of that. People are starting businesses, our students at the LSEs, many of them want to shape a future by creating something new. They may want to be wealthy, that may not be an important goal, but they may see starting a kind of business, a social enterprise of one sort or another, as the way to help make a new and better world and this is something that our political arrangements should enable. They should establish the conditions for engagement in business by a much wider variety of people. I would add on social responsibility of business that the social responsibility of business, small or large corporations, is not mere charity. Limit to, I think, the Milton Friedman way of thinking about that. I think that we need to see social responsibility as not just what you do with the money you make but how you make it. Social responsibility is about the way business is conducted, the ethics, the principles, the way in which people are recognized in business and valued or not valued or treated with contempt. It's important that shareholder value not blind us to all the other stakeholders in businesses Businesses have counterparts and suppliers and customers. They do their business in local communities. They depend on all of these. And it's important that we attend to market failures, including the production of Ilf, whether it is necessary in order to make money to make waste in the volumes that we make it, to put that waste into the public. And we need to ask, who carries this burden? The great 19th century English thinker John Ruskin coined a term that I think hasn't caught on enough. He said, we talk all the time about the production of wealth. What about the production of ilth, the bad stuff? How much ilth is being created in order to allow the creation and accumulation of wealth? And this is a question our public engagements should engage. Philanthropy also, I think, should be seen as a basic part of society. It's a more and more important social institution. Philanthropy returns wealth to social purposes, to aspects of our lives together, often acting through civil society organizations. Still, government remains basic, basic for ensuring equality, as Shami's reminded us, for safety nets, for regulation, for enabling conditions, the government interacting with business, with civil society. A challenge for today is that government is mostly national, but global interconnections are escapable, inescapable to us all, and what we have taken to be our fixed national boundaries are in dispute and open to revision. This is a challenge for a common purpose at the level of government. And we face it as a moral challenge and a political challenge. Take the issue of migration and the specific version of the deaths in the Mediterranean of so many people crossing to Britain and remind yourself that this isn't just happening because politics are bad somewhere else in the Sudan or, the er- or Eritrea or because there's poverty in the world and there shall always be the poor. It's happening because of our politics, our decisions in the UK and in Europe, big decisions like whether we will save people at sea and decisions we probably didn't even notice like a decision by the European Union that made it impossible for potential refugees to register without first getting to Europe and created part of this flood of refugees. Politics is partly shared responsibility for what is done in our name. Shami very eloquently talked about dignity, fairness, and equality, and said the greatest of these is equality, and in her very phraseology, combined with being in this place, (laughs) recalled 1 Corinthians, verse 13, right? Faith, hope, love or charity and I want to close by saying love cannot be only equality love is connection love is our ability to connect to other people and we connect not just to a big category of equals we always and necessarily connect to real other people and how we do it has to be part of our political purpose